I'm really glad to be here. I'm always, uh, it's always a thrill for me to come here. And uh, one of the reasons I, I like it here is because of the people, obviously. And uh, Chuck and I are, as he said, we've been friends. And the longer I know Chuck, the more I appreciate him and love him. But I want to come sometime and just sing. I, I love the singing. Uh, this building evidently is very well built for singing. So I want to come back and just sing sometime. I uh, appreciate the elders and this opportunity and inviting me back. It's always great to be here at Hoover. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, is where our text will be tonight. Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6. And it is Jesus speaking to the church in Sardis. Many years ago, I uh, used to travel a certain road in the county regularly. And as I traveled that road, I began to notice that there was a church building that would be back off the road a little bit. It was a little white block church building. It had um, a little stoop on the front and the door had double doors in the front with windows about halfway up. So it had windows and uh, I noticed that there was never any activity and the grass began to grow up in the, uh, around the church building and everything seemed to be, be getting in disrepair. And every, every year, as every year passed, and I'm driving by this church building, it seems that it's getting more and more in disrepair and more grown up and ultimately the mimosas began, you know how the mimosas are, they grow like crazy like they're being fertilized. So the mimosas are growing up beside the, the building and they actually are pushing against the roof. And then those old Japanese hedges that seem to grow almost everywhere and they grow like wildfire too and they multiply in the middle of the year or whenever, they're, they're just growing like crazy. And they begin to grow around the front of that building and you can't even see the front door anymore. Believe it or not, if you drove down that road today, you would not even know there's a building there. The pine trees are about that big around in the front yard. Those mimosas and the Japanese hedges and the grass and everything else has covered up that building so completely that you would never know it was there. You would see a driveway and a small parking lot that was very much broken up and very, very much in in need of repairing, but you would never be able to see the building. The reason I titled the lesson tonight, There Was a Church, is because if somebody's with me, I'll drive by there and I'll say, there was a church there one time. There was a church there. I know you're not going to believe this, but there was a church there. Well, when you read from the book of Revelation, these first few chapters, and you see the complaints that Jesus has about these churches, it seems almost to me that as you look at the church in Sardis, if someone were to go by, not a building necessarily, and they were to look, they would have a hard time finding the church in Sardis. They would have a difficult time finding a church that once was vibrant and alive and diligent and working and doing great things but now as Jesus speaks to this church, he says, there used to be a church there. There once was a church there, but not any longer. Let's read the text. Revelation 3, 1 through 6. 
And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then that what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know of what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled the garment, their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I understand that the city of Sardis was once, about 600 years before Christ, one of the great cities of that area. It was not only very well populated, but it was powerful. It was a powerful city and a great city of renown around the world at that time. However, by the time you get to the time of the Persian Empire, they sacked the city of Sardis and overwhelmed it and ultimately the city of Sardis never reached its former glory again. It was interesting geographically, from what I understand, how that part of the city was perched upon this 1,500 foot tall mountain, kind of a plateau, and you've got the city on top, and then you've got some of the city down below in the river valley. So it had the best of both worlds, and it seems that if you were going to sack the city or overwhelm the city as, a, as a, a one that wanted to conquer the city of Sardis, you could only come from one direction, and that was from the river valley. You couldn't come from the other three directions. That's one of the reasons it stood for so long and stood so firmly, and it was such a city of renown. But it never saw that glory again under the Persians and then ultimately under the Roman Empire, Sardis just couldn't ever find its legs again. It couldn't find anything to help them get going and find any way to be what they once were as a city. What it seems to me is that the church is following that same path as the city. The church is vibrant, they are alive, and Jesus says that, that they have a reputation they are well known in that area and well known in that part of the world for being, and he uses the word, alive. And then he follows it up by saying, but the problem that I'm coming to you about is you're dead. That's the problem. Now, if I were to have titled the lesson what I wanted to title the lesson, rehabilitation that wouldn't work I figured that out Chuck before I went too far because that wouldn't work because you can't rehabilitate dead you're just dead but Jesus in these words gives a way that the church can be revived or rehabilitated the way that that dead church can be brought back to life the way that those Christians who have chosen to move away from Jesus, to move away from 
the relationship they had with him, to be uh, purposefully, in their minds, not attached to Jesus himself. To not do the work, to not be known for their good works. Jesus says there's a way back. You are dead, but there's a way back. And when I look at these things, there's really this five-step process if you're writing down or taking notes. There are just five things that Jesus says in this text that would be beneficial for all of us to recognize and remember because that's the way back. When we fail, when we fall, when, when we make bad choices, when we do the wrong things, when we move away from our God, when we go away from Him and choose not to follow Him and do His will, when we break that relationship, there's a way back. There's a way of rehabilitation. Many years ago, I had uh, shoulder surgery, rotator cuff with lots of spurs, and I, I see some of you grimace when I say that, but you've had that, right? You've had that. That was very unpleasant. So I, 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 my doctor says before all this, he says, it's going, to, it's going to be painful, it's going to hurt, but if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll be back to normal in no time. Well, I'm not going to call him a liar, but it sure was a long, hard road. It was hard, it was rough, it was painful, but it worked. It did. I'm probably better than new now that things are fixed. So let's look at what Jesus says. The first thing Jesus says, and it's in verse 2, he says you need to wake up. He says you need to wake up. There is no, there is no way that you're going to be able to carry on in the same way you're carrying on now, to walk in the same path you're walking, there's no way that you're going to be able to recover or be rehabilitated or find relationship with God again unless you wake up and come to a realization of where you are. It's almost as if they are in this spiritual stupor where they can't really come to their senses and come to a realization of what has happened and what they've, they've done. And I think churches do that. I know that as individual Christians we do that. It's almost as if we ride along and kind of move along just doing the same old thing the same old way and having the same old bad attitudes or whatever it is we have and we think that somehow we're still going to be okay. That no matter what we have done and no matter what, what has taken place in our lives, we're going to, to be okay. But that's not the way it is. Jesus says to the church in Sardis, you had a good reputation. You once had things right. You, had, you were on point, but you're no longer on point. You're no longer where you needed to be. You've walked away. You've turned your back. You are, as he describes them here, you are dead. Wake up, he says. I know from 1 Peter chapter 5, there is that same phrase that's used there when when Peter says that you need to be very aware and wake up and be alert because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a lion looking for his next meal, that's what he says. He's looking for his next meal. So you need to wake up. You need to be alert. You need to be watchful. And you need to see what's going on around you. I think here it's 
maybe a little bit different because Jesus is really saying, you need to wake up and you need to come to your senses and see where you are. Investigate and see where you are. One of the things that's very difficult for us to do is to do self-examination. For us to open ourselves up, open our hearts up, open our minds, open up our, our checkbook, open up our calendar, open up our, our scheduling, open all that up and just examine it with an open mind. And that's really tough. It's really tough because we don't want to see the things that are trouble. We don't want to see those things that would be red flags. We don't want those things. We, are, we, we want to hide them as long as we possibly can. What Jesus says to the Christians there who are dead, who have no longer that relationship with him, he says, first of all, you need to wake up, be aware, be able to see where you are, open your eyes, and realize how you have moved in that direction. The second thing he says, and it's also in verse 2, is you need to strengthen what remains. Now, if you're going to rehabilitate yourself as a child of God, you have to be aware that there are still some things there that are positives. There are still some things there that are good. You, you have some habits that may be hung with you. You still have faith in God. At least you believe in God and you have faith in Him. You may not be acting like it. You may not be behaving the way you ought to. But it seems very obvious that what Jesus is saying is there are some good things there that you can draw from and build on. And you need to be able to begin somewhere. Where you need to begin is with those things that are still there. One of the things I think about when I think about the things that are still there is all of the past experiences they must have had. As God's children, over the years, and as we've been Christians for, for, for a period of time, we have experiences, life experiences, that, that build and build and build and give us, give us something that we are aware of having invested into our relationship with God. We've built our faith. We've built an understanding of God's Word. That's one thing to build upon. We have a, a, a real uh, connection to people who are good people and righteous people and people that want good for us. And there are probably people over there on the side praying for these people that Jesus is speaking to where He says, you are dead. You have all these things. And He says, Strengthen that which remains. Whatever's there, find it, strengthen it, start with that, and let's go forward because you can't stay where you are because you're dead. The third thing he says that is a way back, a way to get back in relationship with God is to remember what you have received and heard. Verse 3, remember then what you have received and heard. Now obviously, just as we have become children of God, those Christians at Sardis, when they were first introduced to the message of Jesus, they heard the same word we heard. They heard the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They 
we're given the evidence of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They were given the evidence of, of how much God loves them and how much God sacrificed for them by giving his only son and how much Jesus gave as he died on the cross, took upon himself our sins so that we might not have to bear the long-term consequences of those sins. They received that. They received the fact that by God's grace, we have been saved. By the amazing love and grace of God, we have been presented this way to get our sins forgiven so that we do not spend eternity separated from God. And Jesus says to the church in Sardis, you need to remember that. Don't you forget what you heard in the very beginning. You need to bring that back to your memory because it's that message that has motivated you through many a day, through many an hour, it's that message that's brought you through life to a point where sometime along the way you forgot it. You put it in the back of your mind. And now he says, you need to recall that. You need to recall the fact that God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that you, the church in Sardis, every individual in this church in Sardis was given the benefit of the death of the son of God. I think that's a motivating factor in bringing us back, don't you? The fact that I, I might be able to turn my back on God and walk away from Him is, is difficult for me to imagine. But you know what would be difficult for me to imagine as well? That is for me to turn my back, walk away, and for you to come to me and say, Barry, did you forget what God did for you? Did you forget that? Did you forget that message that you heard and that you obeyed and that brought you in relation? Did you forget that? Yeah, Chuck, I guess I did. I guess I forgot it. Well, you need to remember. You need to remember that. You need to be reminded of that because that message is vital to us going forward. So wake up. Make sure that you are alert what's going around you. Strengthen those things you already have. And by the way, this is one of those things you already have, which is that great message, which is remember those things that you have heard in the past. Next, he says also in verse 3 connected to this phrase, he says, keep it. Keep it. It's an interesting phrase because he says, remember then what you have received and heard, keep it. Now when you trace all that down and you look at it in different translations and you look at things that it could mean or what it might mean, really what Jesus is saying is you treasure it. You hold it as something valuable to you and you cherish that, and you guard that with everything that's within you. If you were to break in my home tonight and you were to go in my bedroom, one of the things you're going to see immediately when you turn to the left is a chest of drawers. Some of you old folks call them chest of drawers. Uh, and on that chest of drawers is a cigar box. 
Now, I ask you, some of you that have been kids and had a cigar box to keep your valuables in, do you keep valuables in your cigar box? Boy, I do. I keep my valuables in that cigar box. I have a magnet that I got in the fifth grade. It's a powerful magnet. I have a, I have a ball bearing out of a bulldozer that's about that big. And I have the picture of uh, my first car in there. Wait a minute, you don't think all those are valuable? If I thought it was really valuable to anybody, I'm putting it in the safe. It's in the bank vault at the bank. What Jesus is saying is you recognize the value and you do whatever is necessary to guard it, to keep it. And you don't let anybody or anything divert you from your holding of that valuable thing, your relationship with God. Keep it. Keep that. Because it is that message that will keep us on the straight. Lastly, he says, and I think importantly, repent. That's in verse 3 as well. Isn't it interesting that Jesus gives this very simple, I wouldn't call it a formula exactly, but that would be okay, I guess. He gives this very simple process, this, these steps. And then he says, you've got to repent. You've got to turn. You've got to come back. You've got to turn away from the way you've gone and turn back to me. And you've got to be my person. You've got to be my man, my woman. You've got to be my child again. You've got to turn back because you realize if you continue the way you're going, it means certain death, certain separation, certain that you will never spend eternity with God in heaven. But I love the promise, and that's the last thing I want to talk about, the promise that he gives when I look at these verses, he gives a threefold promise. And in that threefold promise, he says, Those who are mine will be arrayed in white garments. God has clothed you in holiness. God, because of your relationship with him, has clothed you in those garments of white that ceremonially and, and, with, and uh, symbolically represent the fact that you are now holy and without sin and in relationship with God. And he says, if you're mine, I'll promise you that you will always be arrayed in those white garments. The second promise he gives is the fact that your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. Your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. You see how important that is when you understand that when we become a child of God, he writes our name in that book called the book of life. And once these Christians at Sardis had turned and walked away, there's going to come a point, I don't know where it is, there's going to come a point when God takes his eraser and that name is removed. Don't know when it is, but I do know that Jesus says, come back to me and your name will remain in the book. Your name stays in the book. I won't blot your name out. I won't erase it. You will be mine, guaranteed. 
And then the last one he says that is so important when we think about what the promise of God is, I will confess your name before my Father. You do what it takes. You come back to me. You, you do this rehabilitation process. You, you wake up. You strengthen what remains. You remember what you received and heard. You keep it and you repent, and I guarantee you that I will confess your name before my Father. There was a church in Sardis. I don't know what happened after this. I know that the churches in that area had a really tough time after this. I know that persecution was difficult. There was a lot of hard times. I know that life was not easy, life was not fair. I know that life was not always on their side and the government was against them. But I have to believe that after receiving this note from the very Son of God, at least some revived that church. Let's pray. Father, we're very grateful that you love us and that you love us to the extent to which you do. And Father, that you've given us such good, um, encouraging messages in your word. And Father, so practical and so um, easy to understand and so simple. But Father, we also know that it's sometimes difficult to follow your will. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to turn and to turn away and to turn back. Father, tonight my prayer is simple and that is that if there are those who are struggling with needing to turn, turn away from sin and back to God, turn away from temptation and back to God, turn away from the struggle of life and the difficulties and being consumed by all of that and turn back to you. I pray, Father, for their strength tonight. And in that prayer, I also pray, Father, that you would bless those who are faithful, those who remain, and those whose promises are there in this letter, that you will confess our name, that our name will not be blotted out, and that we will wear those garments of white. Father, I thank you for your son. It's through him I pray. Amen.